0: Alright, let's go to, go to Romans, and I'm not finished. Well, I am going to come back to that topic in my sermon at some point, um, so now you'll have to listen to me. But let's go to Romans chapter 16, and we're going to finish Romans out today, and uh, it's a little bittersweet for me. I have so enjoyed the book of Romans, and I'm so excited to preach this text this morning. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it in one sermon, but I I promise you I'm going to do it. So, let's look now. Romans chapter 16 and verse 25. Paul writes, Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord Jesus, would You come this morning by Your Spirit? And would You... So exalt your name, not just in this place, but in our hearts that you would get the glory that you deserve. Come, Holy Spirit. <laughs> our hearts are so entangled with the idols of our lives. We are glory seekers and we give our glory to so many other things. And that's what's wrong with us. So would you come and help and just Rip us from the grip of deception this morning. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Come by your Spirit and do real work in us. That we might be on our face before you, the living God. Living for your glory. Declaring your glory to the nations. Directing everything we are and everything we have to your glory. Oh God, would you do that with us? That the world might know that you are God. Because if you can do it with me, if you can do it with us, you can do it with anybody. And so come, Jesus, by your Spirit and teach us and change us and exalt your name in this place today. We pray for the glory of Christ. Amen. Is Christianity really... The only true faith. Can we really go in our culture and exalt the name of Jesus and say that salvation is had by no other name but the name of Jesus Christ? Can we really go in our culture today and tell them that God tells us who we can marry and who we can't marry? Who we can have sex with and who we can't have sex with, when we can have sex and when we cannot have sex. Can we really go to a watching world and tell them that they are to give everything that they are, every dime, every talent and all their time for God Himself? Can we really do that? Isn't that, doesn't that just sound arrogant? I looked this week at some studies on those born between the years of 1978 and the year 2000 called Millennials. And this is what we read. Millennials support gay marriage, take race and gender equality as givens, are tolerant of religious and family diversity, have an open and positive attitude toward immigration, and generally display little interest in fighting over the divisive social issues of the past. Almost two-thirds agree that religious faith should focus more on promoting tolerance, social justice, and peace in society, and less on opposing abortion or gay rights. Now, I want you to know that that is a summary of what our culture thinks, um, and yet it's really a summary of what those in their 20-somethings think. And because of that, I know that you struggle with the questions that I asked a minute ago. And you're probably going to struggle with how Paul ends the book of Romans. Because he comes to the end and he says this. He says, now to him. And then he describes him for several lines. And he gets to the end. He says, now to him. And there is no word for be in Greek. And so the Greek reads this. Now to him, glory. Glory. Now to him, glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. And what Paul is saying is that as you understand everything I've written over the last 16 chapters, the only proper response is to is this. Now to him glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. And so you see, here's our problem. When we and we all do it, I do it, your 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 pastor does it. I struggle sometimes with the exclusive claims of Christianity in the culture. And yet when I'm doing that, all I must do is look to God and be reminded of what? His glory. Our wavering in faith is directly related to this one reality of the glory of God. It is the glory of God that drives Paul to make this absolute statement. So are you skeptical about Christianity this morning? Are you wavering in your faith? Is the world moving you off point? then let's get in touch with the glory of God. Number one, we were created to be captivated by God's glory. We were created, that's a big statement, we were created to be captivated by God's glory. Every single person that's ever lived has been created for the sole purpose to be captivated by the glory of God. And boy, are we captivated by glory, not necessarily the glory of God. I've got a good friend that is a Green Bay Packer fan. And he lives uh, just a few miles uh, from uh, Lambeau Stadium, or Lambeau Field. And he has not missed a home game in about 150 years. He's been on a waiting list uh, for season tickets for 20-something years and just got them last season. I mean, this guy bleeds Green Bay Packers football. And if you think about it, it it's a little crazy for those of us who are here. Now, we can understand Grizzlies and all that, but... Green Bay Packers, come on. I mean, that's a little silly. Uh, I mean, Vince Lombardi's been dead and gone a long time ago. The greats are gone. I mean, what's the big deal? Well, if you look at it, and they, they have their hopes up for the Super Bowl every year. I mean, they're always, every year, going to win the Super Bowl and rarely do. If you look at it, you say, that makes no rational sense. But here's the deal. My friend is just like you and me. He was created to be captivated by glory. You see, that's the only thing that can explain University of Memphis football fans. I've said this so many times before. It's the only way that we can explain how Bass Pro Shops can buy the pyramid I mean, they're selling fishing lures and life jackets. We are easily captivated by glory. And yet we were created for such, for the very glory of God. We can't help but give glory to something. And we see this in Isaiah. We see that the whole universe is captivated by the glory of God. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3, Isaiah puts forth the very activity of heaven. You want to know what the angels are doing. They are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His what? Glory. You see, the angels are fans. They've been captivated by the glory of God. How in the world can that be the primary job of the angels to worship We say we don't understand that, but friends, we do understand that. We are captivated by something, and we're constantly studying, constantly dreaming, constantly longing to be closer and more devoted to whatever it is whose glory has captivated our souls. The angels are captivated by glory and we are to be captivated by glory. Leviticus 10.3, God says, I will be shown to be holy among those who are near me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. That's what God's doing in the world. He is seeking a people who will be captivated by His glory that we might find our created purpose. You can define glory in this way. The glory of God is the manifest beauty of His holiness. The glory of God is the manifest beauty of His holiness. It's the going public of His holiness. The way He puts His holiness on display for us to apprehend. It's a good summary. The glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifest perfection. You know, I mean, how do you explain the glory of your team? How do you explain the glory of the Grizzlies? I mean, it's hard. You start talking about it. I mean, we can talk about Zebo, and we can talk about Gasol, and we can talk about the playoffs. We can talk about games and individual plays. But at the end of the day, you just kind of throw up your hands. I, I don't know. I just love them. Why? Because we're captivated by their glory. That is how it is to be with God. I don't know, but but I'm captivated. This is what we're made for. We see this in Psalm 8. The psalmist writes, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth! You have set Your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants You have established strength because of Your foes to steal the enemy with the and the avenger. When I look at Your heavens... The work of your fingers. It's almost like these are the ESPN ESPN highlights. You know, when when I look at your glory is what he's saying. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beast of the field, the birds of the heaven, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Do you see... That what the psalmist is doing is he is looking at God and he is saying, everything and all of your creation captivates my soul and draws me to you. And notice what happens when we're captivated by the glory of God. We don't ask the question, do you really have the right to claim yourself to be the God of the universe and the only way of salvation? When we're captivated by the glory of God, we are not struggling with His moral teaching. We are not putting Him on trial, but we understand that we deserve to be on trial. Do you see what the psalmist said? Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. What is man that You're even mindful of him? The Son of Man that You even care for me. Why would you feed me breakfast? I don't deserve anything. I have no rights. When you see the glory of God in its proper place, you see yourself in your proper place. And that's the point. Dear friends, do you want to know why you're struggling with your identity? It's because you haven't seen the glory of God or you've lost sight of the glory of God and therefore you've lost sight of your own identity in comparison to the glory of God. So get in touch with the glory of God again. And then your identity will come back into focus. But here's the problem with us. We lost sight of the glory of God. Romans 1.18 It's so fascinating that Paul uses this word glory that he does that ends in this doxology all glory to the immortal God. Because we can go back and we can trace the word glory through Romans and we can put meat on the skeletal uh, bones of the word glory at the end of the chapter. Listen to Romans one eighteen through 25. What is wrong with us? What's wrong with our relationship with God? Here it is. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. That's Psalm 8. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and listened and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Do do you see what what Paul is saying in Romans 1? He's saying, look guys, it's like somebody watching the the film of Michael Jordan back in the day, and not stepping back and saying, glory, I bow down. It's like, uh, watching Tim Duncan through the playoffs and, and especially the final game, and the dude is in his mid to late 30s and, and not stand back and if you know anything about, I mean about basketball you 've got to stand back no matter what you think about this you 've got to say glory man, I give it to you, I give it to you why because when you see unrivaled glory. That is the only proper response. But this is what we have done. We have exchanged His glory for a bunch of subpar glories. That's what we've done. Images. We have exchanged the truth of God, the glory of the immortal God, for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. I just... Had a little fun with this this week. And I wanted to find out how many images we see in our lifetime. So here you go. I know you're dying to know. So here you go. Uh, if we live to be 80, the average human being is going to see 16,819,200,000 images. That's about 10 per second. So we're going to see a ton of images. But here's what Romans 1 is saying. We can never just look at something just to look at it. But every image that we look at, here's what's going on at the deepest part of our soul. We are determining if it is worthy for us to ascribe glory to it. We are constantly looking for life. In the next face that walks into the bar or the coffee shop or church. In the next image that's going to come on TV. In the next basketball game. In the next hunting trip. In whatever it is, we are constantly, whatever we're doing, we're taking in images and we are evaluating that and asking the question, can I get ultimate life out of it? I was at Tap and Tamp this week and had a long black... If you've never had one, you've missed out. The best cup of coffee you've ever had in your entire life. You need to go get one. And tell them I sent you. Maybe they'll give me a free one when I go. Isn't that crazy that I just made that statement? A cup of coffee is something I remember? Yes. Why? Because it was so good. And for a moment, I got so much life out of it. And you multiply that in everything that we do, what are we getting life out of? 68% of young men will look at pornography this week at least one time, and 18% of women. You see, sexual perversion and idolatry has gripped us. And it's gripped our generation and, and our culture I don't want to say completely unlike any other culture because you can go back in time and since the fall of man, sexual perversion is rampant, okay? But here's the problem. We have more access than any other generation in any time in history. We can see more sexually perverted images within a 30-second time period than other generations have ever been able to even see, only dream, think about, We can see it all. But guess what? It's not just pornography. We can look at clothes for hours on end and convince ourselves, if I don't get that pair of shoes, I am going to die and my life will be worthless. If I don't get those shorts, if I don't get... That house, Zilla, Zillow, some other idolaters out there. I look at it all the time. If I don't have that vacation, cheapcaribbean.com. Some of you know about that. It's amazing how many cruise close closeout cruise sales there are 15 times a day. You see, we can be captivated by anything, and we are, and that's our problem. We are looking for life in anything and everything, and this is what's wrong with us. God created us to be satisfied by His glory, and we exchanged His glory for the glory of anything and everything else, and we wonder why we're so miserable. This is really what sin is all about. In Romans 3, he defines sin in Romans 1 and 2, and then he gets to uh, Romans 3, and it gets a little generic. He said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What is he talking about? We've all exchanged the glory of God for images of about anything and everything else. And dear friends, that's what's wrong with us. What we've done is we look at money, we look at beauty, we look at sex, we look at fame, we look at partnership, we look at whatever it is, and we say, I value that more than God. And that's what's wrong with us, and it's why we're so miserable. We're created for glory But we have fallen from that and we're looking for glory in any and everything. And so secondly, God's glory is revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where can we find His glory? It's in all creation, but where can we be captivated by His glory again? It's through the gospel of Jesus. That's why Paul is saying to to Him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. What gospel? That whole gospel that I laid out for you in 11 chapters of Romans. That's the gospel. That's the glory of God. And if you see that, you're going to see His glory. And you're going to be restored to be able to see His glory and everything else. I don't know if you saw Corporal William Kyle Carpenter this week get uh, the Medal of Honor. President Obama put uh, the Medal of Honor around this 24-year-old young man. And... Um, When when the president got up to to kind of tell his story, the first thing he said is this. He said, that man should not be alive. That man should be dead right now. And the story goes something like this. A grenade was thrown, and when it hit the ground, his immediate response was to throw his body on it to protect his fellow Marines. And it blew him to pieces, but somehow, by God's mercy, he survived. And so we look at that, and we hear his story, and there's so much more that I could tell you about his story. But but you hear an act like that, and the first thing you want to do is just kind of stand back and say, "That is unbelievable." Would I do that? Would I throw my body on? Would I do that? Unbelievable. Why? Because there's nothing more glorious than willing sacrifice. There is nothing more glorious than willing sacrifice. God's glory is His response to our sin. Do you hear me? God's glory is His response to our sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and what? And are justified by His grace as a free gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Do you understand the one who made us, our Creator, who put us in this life to bring Him glory, and yet we said, no, I think that you know, really I should get glory. I should be the most beautiful one in this relationship, so it's your job to make me beautiful and to surround me with a lot of beautiful people and things. And yet God's response was this. I will send my son Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, Very few people will even take note of Him. And He will just trudge through life, giving me glory every second of every day, relatively anonymous in the world. And He will live under the law, and He will be a good son, and He will be a good worker, and He will be a good student. And from His very heart and soul, He will bring me glory because He will obey me and love me with all that He is. But he'll know that he's doing it not just for himself, but for his people. And yet he won't even tell them that for 30-something years. And then he'll be treated like a common criminal, and he'll, he'll be beat in public, and he'll be hung on a cross, nailed on a cross, and left for dead. And yet the third day he will rise again, and he will appear to some, and yet others will still reject him. But He will ascend to glory and one day, someday, He will come back. And He will make all things right. And He will remake this world and all things will be made new. And He will do so to give His people the power. That's what the gospel is. Romans 1, 16, The gospel is the power of God. For what? To take creatures like us, men and women like us, boys and girls like us, who naturally worship images... And redeem us to finally come back and worship Him and to give glory to His name. That is what God is up to in your life and mine. And His response to your sin was that. So if anybody in here is having any work of the Spirit this morning, if the Spirit is convicting them of how they've been living for subpar glories, and you might be feeling a little guilt, guess what? Jesus died for your guilt and He did not disobey in the way you have. And so you can literally thank God because right now He doesn't just see you as not having committed that sin. He sees you as having obeyed Him in that area. Because the very righteousness of Christ has been imputed to your account and God the Father loves you as much as He ever will right now because of Jesus And that's why we sing of Him. Every song we sang this morning was worshiping Jesus. He paid it all, all to Him I owe. Glory be to God. I mean, why? Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you understand that, then you are converted and then you are sanctified forevermore as you continue to walk in faith. Because the proper response to the message of the gospel is to say, I have slipped, but oh God, I know that you forgive me through Jesus Christ. Give me the power and the strength today to live new again. So the question this morning is this. Have you understood that you've been created for the glory of God, but you've been given anything and everything else glory? But Jesus has come... To reconcile you again to God so that you might fulfill your created purpose. Is that your belief system this morning? If it's not, I encourage you, I beg you, would you believe it? Would you take hold of Christ? Because you're not going to find life in whatever it is you're looking to. And it's probably going to be something different tomorrow. But it doesn't have to be with Jesus. Would you take Him? Because something happens. You see, Jesus, when He comes into the life of a person, He doesn't just give us, uh, fire insurance. He doesn't just save us and then we can go about our lives and kind of forget Him. But something happens. Notice, number three, strength flows from God's glory through the obedience of faith. Now to Him who is able to what? Strengthen you. Through this gospel. For what? Uh, Let's read it. Now to him who's able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. According to the command of the eternal God, that was His command from all eternity, to let all the nations know, both Jew and Gentile, the whole world know of His glory. Why? To bring about the obedience of faith. What is the obedience of faith? If I'm asked this once, I'm asked it a million times. Okay, Richard, if the gospel of grace is true and there's nothing I can do to earn my salvation then what does my life look like? What do I do? I mean, why even live for God? Let me tell you. Last night, Chris Davis proposed to Whitney Starr. But that didn't start last night. It started months ago. He just kind of let me in on it a few weeks ago. And he'd already been dreaming and thinking about it. And you see what he did, I mean, I'll tell you about the night, but just think about all the work that went into this one night. When they, uh, visited some friends in Dallas, Texas, or Fort Worth, uh, a year or so ago, they went to the Capitol Grill. And, uh, so he thought, you know what, Whitney loved that restaurant so much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lie to her, and this is what he did. He had to set it up. Uh, this is, this is okay, people. Um, so he told her that, um that someone had given him a gift certificate to the Capitol Grill and and to set aside last night uh, for them to go out. And they did. And then afterwards, he said, well, let's roll downtown and, you know, let's go into Onyx. Now, Onyx is where they first met. And so they go into Onyx, a little jazz bar down here on South Main, and and he had been in Onyx a few weeks ago, and he talked to the manager, and the managers agreed that the house band, when the signal was given, would start playing All of Me by John Legend, and he would go up on stage, grab the mic, and sing All of Me to Whitney. There we go. Husbands, men for ages and generations. He just got us in so much trouble, it's not even funny. (laughs) I've been married almost 31 years, and my wife looked at me last night. I hated that man last night. I, I'm, I'm, I'm warming back up to him. Sings, John Legend, all of me, comes down, tells the crowd how much he loves her, comes down, gets on one knee. Oh, they also delivered flowers to her table when all this is going on. He gets down, he presents the ring, she says yes. They go outside. They get on a carriage. Oh, it's not over. Get on a carriage. Drive up South Main. Go to the top of a building where family and uh, some friends are waiting. And, you know, she, she can't open her eyes. You know, he's like, close your eyes. She doesn't know about this either. Comes to the door. There's her mom and dad and family, brother, sister, everybody. Just tears, you know. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, what is this whole obedience of faith? Here's how most people think the Christian life should be lived. That God holds up his law and we kind of measure it and say, "Okay, well, if I I mean, you know, if I can do this today, then I I think I can probably go to bed in peace with myself tonight and God, cuz that's probably enough." I mean, if I just do this, if I, I mean, okay, I'm i am sleeping around a little bit, but, you know, or I'm do, but, I mean, I can kind of offset that. I mean, th- we think that's how we are to live the Christian life. No. You see, we don't need the law when there's love. When we've been captivated by the glory of someone, that's what it looks like. Nobody had to sit Chris to the side and say, man, look, now, you, you do understand that you've got to make this special. No. He studied her. He he looked at their story. He did everything. He laid it all out. Why? Because He's captivated by her glory. Do you understand that that is how we are to live life? That we are to be so captivated by the glory of God that we study Him, we live for Him, we, we, we think of ways to bring Him glory. And we do it with everything. That's why Paul mentions to all the nations... You see, God's ministry in the world, His purpose in the world is for all the nations to know His glory. All you have to do is go back to Abraham, which Paul does in Romans 4 and 5, to see this. You see, Paul goes back to Abraham. Why? Because here is a man who God came to in in Genesis and said, Leave your country and your people and follow me. Now, wait a minute. I mean... Where we we going, God? Well, it's a land that I'm going to show you. Well, how are we going to live? Well, just trust me. Do you know that's what Whitney did last night? Do you know that she responded to a call like that? And we do it all the time. We look at that and we say, well, I can't relate to that. Yes, you can. You live most of your life by faith, having no idea how it's going to turn out, but captivated by the glory of something. And so we must be captivated by the glory of God and then we will live by faith. We see it in Abraham's life. Romans 4.20 No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. I love that verse. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God or the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Notice how that works. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. You know, the best thing you can do if you're kind of falling out of love with your wife or your girlfriend or boyfriend, go on a date with them. Be reminded while you're with them. That's the Christian life. He grew strong in his faith As he gave glory to God, as he got deep in the Word, as he remembered the Gospel, as he looked at his own life and he said, Oh God, what are are you that you're even mindful of little old me? Who in the world am I to be questioning your authority? Who in the world am I to to be questioning whether you have the right to tell the world how to be saved? Who in the world am I? But oh, who in the world am I? I was on your heart before the creation of the world. You determined before time to send your Son to redeem me as your own. And then through faith, no work of mine, you drew me to yourself by the power of your Spirit. And you gave me new life. And one day, someday, you're going to come and you're going to put an end to this this whole mess. And you're going to take me home. Now do you understand why living for a job will not satisfy you? Do you understand as well that the 20-something generation... I'm going to pay, I'm sorry, millennials, I love you. I mean, you're you're the core of this church, and that's probably why I'm... I, you know why so many 20-somethings are miserable today? Because they bought the dream of their uh, Gen X and baby boomer parents. Because this is what the parents told um, the millennials. They said, if you work hard in school, study hard in school, go to college, you'll get a good job, and then you'll make enough money to be happy. And guess what? A recession hit. And there are very few good jobs. And therefore, there are very few millennials that are happy. I don't know who is to be pitied more. The parents who sold them the dream or the children who bought the dream. Because here's the reality. And it goes deeper. Because it's deep in the church. This is something I see all the time. The gospel of the middle to upper class Christian church, evangelical church in our day, is not Jesus, but capitalism. Do you know what the church tells those who live in poverty? Get a job and your life will be okay. Not get Jesus and your life will be okay, but get a job. We're still selling the the heretical lie. We're going to be what? We're going to be as happy as y'all are? Let's see. Your divorce rate is on par with the world. You're sleeping around as anybody else out here. Hypocrisy is the reason the world's not coming. So come on. You see, the church needs to get Jesus, and then the church will give Jesus. Dear friends... No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. I don't know what that means for you. I don't. Maybe you need to break up with whoever you're dating. Maybe you need to stop looking for somebody to date because that's what has your heart, is getting married. That's, that's what the glory that you're pursuing Maybe you need to quit the job you have, or maybe you need to look for a job. You see, a job is not the answer to everything. A job makes sense like everything else makes sense when we do it for the glory of God. Then there is satisfaction because we were made to work, but we were made to work for the glory of God, not for the paycheck. That's why we can stay in a job that's not paying us what we think we deserve. Man, is that huge today! Very few people are making the money that really they, they deserve today. So how do you find contentment? I'm not doing it for the money, I'm doing it for the glory of God, and I'm going to show His glory by doing the best job I can do, by showing people there's something greater to live for than the money or the way I'm treated. Do you see it? So are you living for the glory of God? Are you captivated by His glory If not, meditate on the sacrifice of Jesus for you. Get deep into Romans 11. See the, the, the most comprehensive explanation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of the Bible. Meditate, memorize, study. Just let it captivate you like you look at a pair of shoes or a vacation or whatever image online. Turn your eyes to God. Get a hold of His glory and then you will grow strong in your faith. And you will be able to give him glory. Oh God, may there be much repentance in our hearts today. And may we turn to you and you alone. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the hope of the gospel. We thank you for this message of the gospel. We thank you that you are glorious. You did not create us and then with a need for glory, and then pull back and say, well, I hope they can find it in all the stuff on the earth. But you said, here I am. You continue to reveal yourself. Praise you, O God, that you have revealed yourself through your Son, Jesus, and we can get a hold of glory again. And we can find what we have been created for, and we can find purpose. So, O God, would you do that this morning in our hearts. Would you captivate us by your glory through your gospel? And may we look around and see the whole earth is full of your glory. And may we give you the glory you deserve. Oh, Lord Jesus, we need you. Come now. We pray in your name. Amen.